denotes an intimacy, a communication, a give and take of relationship. See, they continued and were devoted to the breaking of bread. It says, with one accord in the temple, and then breaking bread from house to house. So they gathered at the temple where everybody else was, and then they broke up into groups at home, from house to house. Hey, you got my house to stay. Deep relationships here. See, their hearts were warmed by relationships. The early church is a great picture of what living in close, deeply connected community is. Together, they studied God's Word and provided practical support for one another. They spent time together at church and at each other's homes. Pastor Daniel shares today how we can model our own relationships with believers after the early church. When we're rooted in a faith community, we'll have the support we need to reach into the world. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, The Need for Relationship. This book, from Genesis to Revelation, God's Word is all that you need to be nourished in your soul. It will teach you who God is and who you are. It will reveal to you the character and personality of God and also your own character and your own personality. And God's biblical community needs to be rooted in God's Word so that we make sure that we don't go off the rails. And one of the things I love about Crossroads, Pastor Bill Ritchie, for almost 40 years and going forward, we're always going to teach you God's word. Normally we go straight through books. Why? We have to deal with everything in there. We go straight through books so that we can't skip over anything. You don't let the pastor get on a hobby horse about this thing so he doesn't have to talk about this. No, you have to talk about all of it. You have to deal with what it says. We need that for our lives because left to our own devices, we are going to skip over some things. There are things that we prefer and there are things that we wish weren't there. But when you are part of a community that's rooted in God's word, you just got to deal with all of it. We got to figure out what we're going to do with God's word. And we've taken the position here at Crossroads, it was founded this way, that God's word is God's word and we're not going to mess around with it. We're just going to say, this is what it says, this is what it means, and how do we live like it? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, speaking, Paul speaking to Timothy, says, And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the work of the church is that the word gets taught and it gets disseminated to people who can disseminate it to people. To dis- this is what you call discipleship. Where God's word is taken and taught so that people can then take it and teach it and take it and teach it and it keeps continuing on. Now, if you skip down to verse 43, the teaching and the work of the apostles, it says, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So the work of the apostles was to teach the truth and awe or fear came upon every soul. People were moved to awe and fear 
Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the apostles authenticated their message with many signs and wonders, which you read and see all through the Bible. So community has to be rooted in God's word. Secondly, it says not only they continue in the apostles' doctrine, but in fellowship. Which I would say that true biblical community tends to itself. It tends to itself. It is takes care of itself. This idea of fellowship, in the Greek, it's the word koinonia, which comes from the word koinos, which literally means common. It means that people have a partnership, a sharing. If you move down a little bit in these verses, it says, now all who believed were together, in verse 44, and had all things in common, there's that word, that we get koinonia from, and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. That's why I say that true biblical community tends to itself, where people take care of one another. And this is important, because if you think about the family of God, the people of God, everything we have, we share. My friend David Guzik, who's a great pastor and Bible teacher, said it this way. He says, as Christians, we share the same Lord Jesus. We share the same guide for life, the Bible. We share the same love for God. We share the same desires to worship him. We share the same struggles. We share the same victories. We share the same job of living for him. And we share the same joy of communicating the gospel to others. We know in the book of Ephesians, you have that there's one Lord and one spirit, and one baptism and all the sea. So the idea is because everything we have, we share from the Lord, then true biblical community should take care of one another, care for each other. And that becomes a very challenging thing, doesn't it, in our generation? Because of course you, you hear this and you think, okay, so if you become a Christian, you're not allowed to have any personal possessions. And the answer to that is... Of course you're allowed to have personal possessions. Look at what it says. It says, now, verse 44, now, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. See, the Bible places a premium on the individual's ability to have personal property that actually all through your Bible is actually protected. But then the question is, is what do you do with your personal property? And we find here in this fill with the spirit church that they looked out for each other's needs and when there was a need, someone would go and sell something they had to provide for other people, which is actually a quite beautiful way to administer your possessions, isn't it? You don't have to do it. It's not legislated, but you get to do it. And I think that this is important. Now, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says it this way. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I love that. Imagine if we just live that out. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So what it says is that we should live as Christians, loving our neighbors as ourselves because of God's love, that we should do good to everybody as we have an opportunity, and especially to those who are part of God's family with you. And that, my friends, that is a community that tends to itself. That is a community that says, we are going to look out for each other. And notice in this idea of tending to ourselves, we have this recurring phrase, 
All, all. Look at verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. What the world needs to see from the church is a church that actually takes care of itself. A church that isn't looking for a government to provide, but that the church says we are going to live in such a way that we are going to understand the needs of people and we are going to seek to help. Now what happens is, of course, you start talking this way and people start to filter this stuff through their politics where if you give somebody a handout, then they're going to be dependent upon you and all this stuff. Now listen, that may be true and that may not be true, but the key is, is are we willing to help people? And if somebody is a waster, you do not help them by enabling them to waste. You teach them how to live differently. And that's why the Bible says things like, if a man won't work, he won't eat. That's an amazing phrase in the New Testament. Because there was those people who said, well, we're the church, and we're supposed to take care of each other, and so I don't feel like doing anything, so help me. And the Apostle Paul says, "Ah, ah, ah, ah." if you're not willing to work, you don't get to eat. See, it's not about being an enabler to not fulfill the calling of God. It's about saying there are times when there are legitimate needs that something goes on and the body of Christ should spring into action. And know what I love about the Crossroads family? I hear about this stuff all the time. All the time, things go on in someone's life and I just hear about them after the fact because it's not about, well, we go tell the pastor and the pastor says, and people just take care of each other. People are there for one another. Someone's in the hospital. And because, because they're connected to the community of Crossroads, all of a sudden they find, I find out about these things later. Like I have people come and say, hey, do you know so-and-so's in the hospital? You don't have to worry about it. We've been going over there every day. You just keep doing what you're doing. We got this. And you know what? That's a biblical community. Where each person has a network of people that they're connected to, a tribe of people that they're connected to, who when push comes to shove, those people know them and are close to them, and they spring into action. See, and that's the beauty of a really large church like Crossroads, because we're a collection of tribes within it. So in a small church, everything goes to the pastor, and the pastor does everything because it's just one big tribe. But Crossroads is a network. I mean, kids ministry, and this and that, and groups, and young adults, and, and people in Renew, and men and women. And all of a sudden, something goes on, and they spring into action. Because the church is a matrix of organic relationships. The worship teams are connected. The prayer folks are connected. The people who do Second Saturday, they're connected. People who are ushers and greeters, they're connected. And all these people are connected. And all of a sudden, when something really big happens, they say, hey, Pastor Daniel, um, can the church get involved? I'm like, yeah, great. Let's do it. See, the world needs the people of God to truly be the people of God who we take care of ourselves. Where we tend to one another. When something extraordinary happens in someone's life, that's when we do our best work. That's the way God designed it. Now, this is really important because what happens right now, especially in a really large church, there's many of us right now, you're on the periphery. If something were to happen to you, nobody would know. And in some ways, you actually like it that way. Except for the fact that when something happens, you really wish that there was someone who would be there for you. Now listen, I always say this. I cannot legislate relationships for people. You get out of a relationship what you put into it. So I want to encourage you, if you're on the periphery right now, don't be on the periphery. You want to be right in the middle of what God is doing. I call it the bowels of the people of God. And I say that that because that's really what it is. It's kind of messy when you're in the middle of it all. 
But that is also where the magic happens. Within the people of God, when all of a sudden, you know that all of a sudden you realize, okay, so, so and so, they're really struggling. Hey, the pastor doesn't have it all together and all this stuff. And everyone's just trying to figure out how to do life together. We're going to figure out how to follow Jesus together. And that's where the beauty is. Just like in a relationship, it's always beautiful. I'm going to have a relationship from a distance. How many people are madly in love with someone because they met him on the internet and all of a sudden you're in person with them and you're like, ooh. (laughs) Everyone's so nice when you get to not send that email until you're ready. But in the moment, then all of a sudden you're like, wow, they were so nice on email. I didn't realize that if their food comes late, they're all mean to the server or something, right? But the beauty happens when things are up close. Now, for many of you, you're saying, okay, so Fusco, so, so what do we do? Listen, in order to be a part of a community, you have to make the investment there. So I always tell people, find a tribe here at Crossroads. Find a niche of people who enjoy the things that you enjoy. And there's a million of them here at Crossroads. Now, don't expect that to happen instantaneously. It just takes some time. Relationships take time to build. And they take investment. Don't be on the periphery. Connect with other people so that God's community, rooted in God's word, can tend to itself, take care of itself. Now, not only that, not only did they continue in the apostles' doctrine, it's rooted in God's word, and fellowship, this idea of holding all things in common, tending to itself, it says, in the breaking of bread. And I like to say this, that community is people together. Because the breaking of bread, notice what it says in verse 46, so they continue daily with one accord in the temple, And breaking bread from house to house, verse 46, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. See, community is people together. Now, the breaking of bread, is it the communion table? Maybe. Is it just the way people who were Jewish talked about eating a meal? Maybe. Is it a good old-fashioned church potluck since they've been doing since the day the Spirit of God fell? Maybe. The idea of breaking of bread is people are together. And in that culture, bread was the staple food. I mean, kind of like ours. You know what I mean? Like everything is always good with bread. You can even get gluten-free bread for those of you who have gluten allergies, right? You get all different types of bread. But it's, it's a filler food. And so it's part of the culture. And so the idea of breaking bread, it's people together. Breaking of bread denotes an intimacy, a communication, a give and take of relationship. See, they continued and were devoted to the breaking of bread. It says, with one accord in the temple, and then breaking bread from house to house. So they gathered at the temple where everybody else was, and then they broke up into groups at home, from house to house. Hey, you got my house to stay. Deep relationships here. See, their hearts were warmed by relationships. Now, I realize that when I say True community is people together. Everyone's saying, Fusco, my schedule is already maxed. I mean, who can keep up with all this? I mean, and I got to be able to keep up on my Netflix addiction. You know, like, who's got time for more time? And here's the thing. Your time, you are in control of your calendar. How you spend your time is your choice. But I'm here to tell you, you got to ask yourself, is the choices that you're making, does it encourage you? Are you growing or does it diminish you? I'm not saying that everything you have to do is church-based. We try really hard to limit the amount of things that we offer so that we don't, that the people who are part of Crossroads, they don't spend their life here at Crossroads. Because we realize that's great for fellowship, but it's not great for the mission of the people of God. 
We need to be out in the community. But for many of us, we actually have no space to have biblical community because we're so busy doing 97,000 other things. And I want to just encourage you to, in the coming year, just to say, God, am I prioritizing the things that you prioritize? And do I need to make space to be together? And again, this encouragement to groups is a huge thing. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see that day appearing. You know what he says? He says, look, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So he says, keep getting together. And in your getting together, because it's rooted in God's word, because you're tending to one another, that by getting together, we stir one another up to love and good works. And don't forsake it, as is the manner of some. And then it says, and this is an amazing verse, it says, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day appearing. Do you think it's weird that we live in a day and age where people say, I love Jesus, I just don't like to go to church? You know why that happens? Because the day is getting closer. The day of Jesus' return is one day sooner than it was yesterday. And we need to be together much more because we realize that we need to encourage one another, to provoke one another, to love and good works because the love of many is growing cold. And it's so easy to pull ourselves out because, oh man, it's so weird and it's uncomfortable and all this stuff. No, no, we need it much more. Because left up to our own devices in the day and age we live because the return of Jesus is closer than it's ever been, we need to be provoked to be different than we want to be naturally. And that's a huge thing. See, community is people together. Meeting in the temple. Meeting from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. What a beautiful phrase. This community, because these people are together, filled with the Holy Spirit, on God's word, caring for one another, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I believe for many of us right now, you're like, I want a little gladness and simplicity of heart right about now. It comes from when we get together in that messy, beautiful thing called church. Take that step of faith. And then finally, we have the word of God, the apostles' doctrine, we have tending to themselves in community, in fellowship. You have this people together, this breaking of bread from house to house. Then finally, and prayers. And in the Greek, it's literally the prayers. There's a definite article in there. And I would like to say it this way, that true community prays praises. That's a tongue twister. Say it 10 times quick. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. Praise, praises. Notice what it says at the end of this little passage that I read to you. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. You see that? You notice how each one you go down, it's the apostles' doctrine, and the apostles are doing signs and wonders. And then you have this fellowship, and they're all taking care of each other. And then you have this breaking of bread, and you find out that they're going to the temple. They're going house to house. So then you have prayer, then you have praising God and having favor with all the people. See, community praises 
Praise praises. And I'm here to tell you, the community of God doesn't only just petition, ask for things, but part of prayer is actually praising God. It's just like anything. It's so funny. I, my wife is, I just adore her. Lynn. I, sweetie, I love you so much. My wife, she's a verbal affirmation girl, right? Now, that became a pretty hairy thing for us. I mean, it's already hairy for me because I'm hairy by nature. But I grew up in a sarcastic family where you use words to you pick on people, right? You guys know, for the, some of you are here are sarcastic. Let me share with you as a sarcastic person. The word sarks in the Greek means flesh. So sarcasm is fleshing. When I realized that, I felt really convicted. I'm like, ooh, the Bible condemns the flesh, and I'm so sarcastic, right? So we get married, and all of a sudden, everything I say to her, I love her, so I'm picking at her, giving her a hard time about everything. Even just last night, she's like, all I want you to do is give me a hug. You keep giving me a hard time, Jersey boy. (laughs) Isn't an important part of a relationship saying, I think you're awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for putting up with me. Just being able to express gratitude and praise. I think for a lot of us, our prayer lives need to be infused with praise. Rather than saying, Lord, I just need more money for groceries, and the lights fell off the tree, and the gutters fell off the house because I put too many lights on it, and all this stuff that goes on. You say, Lord, thank you that I'm alive and I could be having issues. Amen, right? I just had this yesterday. I was in Target with the kids. My kids were not angels. I can't believe it. And this woman walks by me, she's like shopping with kids, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> she's like, and you're on your own. <laughs> she gave me this little stuff. I was like, Merry Christmas to you too. <laughs> but praise God, I got kids who could be losing their marbles in Target. Right? When was the last time you prayed praises? You know what happens when somebody prays praises when they're going through a hard time? In the midst of community, it actually changes the dynamics of everyone's world. When you watch somebody in the midst of a struggle say, God, you know this is terrible. This hurts. I don't know what's going to go on, but Lord, thank you for being my God. And I know that if this ends, I'm going to be with you. Doesn't it? It changes everything. And one of the issues I think that the world needs the church to fix is the fact that we're so busy being paupers with God instead of praising God for who he is. We've given the testimony that God doesn't do good enough for us because we complain about everything. In biblical community, we start to pray praises. We say, Lord, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you I could be dealing with this. Thank you that my life isn't perfect, but I trust in you and that there's all sorts of issues, but Lord, you got this. And I don't understand how you're going to work this out. Only you can figure out how to work this out because you're God and I'm frustrated. But Lord, I believe and help my unbelief. That changes the way people will look at God through the church because so busy we're like, oh, I'm grumpy about this. I don't like this and the election and this thing and that thing. And I wish I had more money so I could buy more lights to break my gutters on my house. And we go through this whole thing rather than saying, Lord, thank you. Thanks for this life, crazy as it may be jacked up as it can be. Thank you for this life. Jesus is real. Diving deeply into a church community is scary but necessary. 
As Pastor Daniel shared in today's message, the early church's example of relationship has excellent tips for how to do this well and how beneficial it is to us and everyone around us. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith in Vancouver, services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m., or in Southwest Portland, our service on Sundays at 10 a.m., as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses. We would love to have you join us, and if you're at a distance, check us out on our internet campus, crossroadslive.tv. I look forward to seeing you soon. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will discuss with us the need for compassionate and generous living. In order to love others well, we need to have a spirit of compassion for those in need and a willingness to help out when we can. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, The Art of Living. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again on this station for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.